This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by the Women's Industrial Exchange of Baltimore City. It's a nonprofit that helps local people create, market, and sell their handmade goods. You can find out more at womensindustrialexchange.org. This episode is also sponsored by Wabi Sabi Brooklyn. For decoupage, penny earrings, and more, visit wabisabibrooklyn.etsy.com. back at the mic here and very, very happy to bring you an interview with the force behind Margaret's Hope Chest. It's based right here in West Michigan and I had the privilege of meeting Carol Peters. I want to say it was about a year ago when I hosted a couple community quilting bees at the Y. We did some introductions and Carol had told the story of how she came to be involved in this charity that was started in her mother's name, Carol's daughter, Karen Vogelzang is also, you're going to hear from her on this podcast. I interviewed Karen and Carol together. The thing that is most striking about this mother and daughter is that they have this amazing ability to turn tragedy into something really beautiful. This story is about forgiveness and about what can happen if you're able to work your way through that forgiveness process. This episode is going to be all about quilting and an effort that's underway to make 400 quilts for homeless children in the Grand Rapids School District. So I'm working on a quilt, and I want to donate it to this charity, and I'm hoping that some of the folks who live around here will join me this weekend. I'm going to be quilting with Karen, and um, possibly Carol, too, if she's available. Karen's going to be in town. She lives in Toronto, but she's going to be in town, and she's going to be bringing some people, and I'm hoping that the crafters and quilters here in West Michigan will answer this call for support, and you folks at home can get involved in this, too. I hope you're inspired by the heartwarming story. Here we go. Okay, so we can start out by just having um, you both kind of introduce yourself, uh, you know, say your names and the name of your organization, and then we'll kind of get into the story of how this whole thing got started. Okay, so I'm Karen Vogelzang, and uh, I'm a co-director of Margaret's Hope Chest, which is a nonprofit quilting organization that's based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, and I am Carol Peters. I am also the co-director. I am Karen's mom. She was the director until she put my name <laughs> on the marquee with her, so now we, uh, we share the responsibility, hopefully. And Margaret Parama was my mom. Okay. Well, and let's talk a little bit about what started this whole thing. In April of 2005, my mom went to the grocery store to get her hair cut and pick up a few groceries. Uh, when she was in the parking lot on her way home, um, her purse was snatched by a woman. My mother fought back, and the woman pushed her to the ground. She sustained a head injury and died two days later, so that was April of 2005. And how old was your mother? She was 81 years old. Okay. Um, she wasn't, as the press wanted to say, she was this frail little old lady. She was a spunky lady, which is probably well, why apparently she, so. I mean, if she's why she back, fought back, right. a lot of people half her age wouldn't fight back. You know, right. it would just kind of be like, take my purse. Right. So she, but it was her purse. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. She was yeah. not going to let them get away with that. Yeah. Fortunately, she was able to describe that it was two women in a white car. And so um, through the work of Silent Observer here in Grand Rapids, they were able to apprehend the two girls, and now they are spending time in prison. And I imagine this rocks your world in the most significant way when you have such a violation to your family and right. to, I mean, someone you love. How long did it take for you to get to the point where, Karen, you know, you had this idea to do something 
wonderful after something so horrible happened to your family? I was living in Mexico when she died, but then we moved back to Washington. Well, I've always wanted to start some sort of nonprofit organization, but I thought maybe it would be in Africa having to do with like AIDS orphans or something like that, because my husband's job, we move around the world. So that was always something I thought would be cooler. But then, you know, this all happened, and I saw an Oprah, <laughs> which is funny, because I'm, I'm not a big Oprah fan, but... You know, she said something on a show one time when I was in Washington. She said something like, well, I was talking about doing what you're passionate about, you right. know. And she said, if you're going to do something with your life, you know, it should be something you're passionate about. Don't don't choose something just because it, whatever someone tells you or, you know, it, it sounds interesting, but it's got to be something you're passionate about. So I really thought about that. I thought, well, what am I passionate about? And at the time, I had started quilting mm-hmm. more seriously, and I thought... And I loved it. Like, I had made a queen-size quilt for my bed. and I mean, it's, it's intricate. And I quilted the whole thing. I mean, and I really loved that. Even though I had, a, like, a eight-month-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a four-year-old at home with me. Like, I was passionate about it. So I thought, okay, well, quilting's passionate. And then, I, you know, it just threw lots of thoughts and that kind of thing. I thought, well, how about a quilting organization, you know, that would be in honor of my grandmother? Then I was thinking of a name. This is just how my brain works, you know. I'm thinking of a name. Oh, well, her name was Margaret. And then I thought of the symbolism of a hope chest, which mm-hmm. is where girls would put things a long time ago. Right. They would make things, quilts and things for their house. And, you know, they would have towels and other sure. stuff. And they Linen. would store it away. And they right. would build up this store so that, the storehouse, so that when they were married, they would have the stuff that they needed. And I right. thought, and it's called the hope chest. And so I thought, well, that would be neat if we could store away quilts to give to people who didn't have the hope or the, the things that they needed right. at that time in their life. So I, I like the symbolism of that. So, But that took a while to develop because in the meantime, we moved to Armenia. Like I said, I move all over the world. And at that time, we moved to Armenia, and this all came to me sort of, you know, just over months of thought and, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, so I called my mom. Out of the blue. From Armenia. From Armenia, <laughs> which is like a nine-hour time difference. Right. And we so, would talk on Thursday mornings. Yeah, we would talk Thursday morning, her time, 5 o'clock my time, because my kids would be watching a movie. And so I said, you know, I, I have an idea, but, you know, I, I need time to explain it to you, so I'll call you back, or something like that. Yeah. And so the whole time she's thinking, oh, my goodness, what is this <laughs> what child is thought idea? of now, you right, know, because right. you're sort of a crazy <laughs> idea kind of person, you know? You know, kind of unpredictable. <laughs> so... So anyway, I'll let you tell her a little. She has a little. Okay, cool so story. then on, on the day, I wasn't quite sure when she was going to call me, but I went to the Hallmark store in Breton Village, and I was just browsing around after I got some cards and stuff like that, and I saw this little pin. It's, it's, it's not really a pin, but it was like a little pendant, pendant kind of thing, and the, it had hope on it. I took that pendant home, okay? I had nothing, no idea what she was going to do, what she was thinking about, where this happened. But I took this little thing home, and I thought, well, this is really kind of cool. And it wasn't like I was thinking, I need hope in my life. Right. It just came to me. In my mind, it was a God thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it was in a little green box. Right, it was a little green and, box, know. and it was very shiny, and it, it was just there. And so I put it on my sewing table, and I think it was the, the that same, day. same day she called me, and she said, I said, well, I think I know what you're going to do. You want us to go to Holland and be part of this craft thing and I said and I said I don't have any time to do that she goes no that's not what I'm thinking of (laughs) I said okay what are you thinking of why don't I be quiet a minute so she starts telling me about it 
I could hardly talk about, you know, I could never think about Margaret's old chest because it was just so important to both of us. Mm -hmm. My mom was a quilter. She sewed for international aid. She sewed for her church. She did alterations for poor people. You know, all those kinds of things. And um, just the fact that we were going to do something and offer hope to people who might be in the same kind of situations as we were. Not that we, I mean, we've, we've talked about, you know, should we limit ourselves to people who are victims of crime? No, you know, we can't be in, in one kind of venue. We want, you know, we want to have, be able to offer them to lots of, you know, lots right. of different people right. and stuff like that. But just the fact that I had picked up this pin that said hope on it, mm-hmm. and she called me and said, I want to call it Margaret's Hope Chest. I want to use your, the main reason you were telling me is because you wanted to use my address because we were going to ask people for fabric. And I said, oh, Dad's going to be thrilled when all this fabric starts coming down to my basement, which is what happened after Tom Rademacher wrote the article. Right, right. Um, people read about it, wanted to donate fabric. Um, people we talked to wanted to donate fabric. But for the longest time, saying Margaret's Hope Chest was really very difficult. But it sounds like she would have loved this kind of organization. Well, that's yeah. what people have said to us, too. My, my friend said that when we did the, the February quilt giveaway. Uh, my friend said, so how would your mom feel about this? I said, she's always been, my dad's an organist and sings, so she's always been Harv's wife. And she's always been the mother of these five children, and my brother is a soloist, so she's always been Paul's mother. I think she would think it was really cool. <laughs> to finally get her <laughs> name her, up her in the name, either. Right, yeah. and she would... And she would support it totally because she would, you know, she'd be thinking that it was really cool that we would be able to give to, to, to people that needed the, needed the hope and the comfort and um, what we hope are people praying for them too when they read the blog. What year did this start then? We started officially like we launched it and, and Tom wrote the article in, on the two-year anniversary, April of 2007. Okay. And but then we didn't give the first quilt away until August of 2007. Okay. That was the first one that we gave to the mom of one of the girls who was involved. Yeah, tell me about that, because that had to be... Was that hard to do? Well, it really wasn't, no. but it was because I feel like, you know, it was... We were led to give it to her. I mean, so this is the mother of one of the girls that was convicted of the murder. There was an article in the newspaper because earlier... It was in May, right around Mother's Day. Okay, so right around the two-year anniversary of her daughter, you know, being involved, involved in, in this murder, her son... In Grand Rapids, also murdered his girlfriend who was pregnant. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So there was a huge, yeah. you know, there was this huge sort of, you know. And then he tried to present, pre, he tried to present himself as being mentally ill, and ended up they weren't going to try him for a while because they thought he was mentally incompetent and all that kind of stuff. And then through through different detective work and stuff like that, they discovered that he indeed was. So there was an article in the press. I was living in Armenia, but I read Grand Rapids Press online. Right. So there was an article about uh, about about her, where one of the press people interviewed this mom. Right. And just how I remember, one of the things was people probably think I'm a terrible person, or I was a terrible mother, or something. It was sort of like that whole thing. Like as a mom, you do the best you can, but they have to make their own decisions. Right. And you know, it was just so heartbreaking that she had now two children. In prison, her husband had died several years while they were younger, right. and so here she was, left with no hope. And so we had been collecting and making quilts, and we we had this certain this this uh, pattern that I had created, 
with all these glues and stuff like that. And we had had one that was close to finishing. And so I said, you know, I called her up once again. And I said, uh, <laughs> I think we should give Verse Quilt to, you know, Ebony's mom. And I don't know how you <laughs> no, felt that about was, it. No, that was fine because it was like, we need to start someplace. And what better way to do that and to show, not that we wanted to show <laughs> the community necessarily what we were doing, but to show the people that we hoped were supporting us where we were coming from. But then all of a sudden we said, well, okay, how are we going to do this? Yeah, and <laughs> we how just did you call do it? the lady up and say, yeah, we're I was so thinking of blind so. calling her, but I thought she'd like freak out that we were like going to, you know, like, you know, I didn't just think, you well, know, you never you know. I mean, well, if exactly. your daughter is responsible for privacy. My killing this woman right. and her family shows up, what yeah. are you going to do? You never exactly. know. It's yeah, I can it's a weird situation, yeah. definitely. So we ended up going through the dispute resolution center. John right. Wilmot through my I heard about that through my cousin who works for the for the circuit court. And she okay. said I think that you could go through him. So um, we got in, ch- in contact with John and he said, "Well, I want to meet with you both." I said, "Well, Karen's living in Armenia, that's going to be kind of hard, but I said I'll meet with you." So um, I met with him, and he said, now, why are you doing this? You know, to get the publicity for Margaret's Hope Chest? And I said, no, that's not the reason we really genuinely want to give her a quilt. He called her up and uh, told me later that, you know, she was very surprised, but would meet with him. And then after he met with her, then she decided yes. And the way that he, he presented that we should offer her the quilt, rather than just giving it to her, we should offer her the quilt. And so he arranged for us to meet her um, down at the Dispute Resolution Center in August of 2007, right before Labor Day, because you went home. I was home. I was here. She was here. So my cousin who works for the court and Karen and I came, and then John was there with one of his assistants, and then um, the mom came with a friend that she works with from Hope Network. Okay. And um, just introduced each other and told how... Margaret's Hope Chest got started, and, and he, he handled the discussion very well. You know, he would ask specific questions, and we would answer him, and then he talked to her mom, to Ebony's mom, and um, gave her a chance to sort of right. and say, she, say something. Right, and she, you know, of course, just felt like she had to keep apologizing over and over again, you know, that for her, daughter's, her daughter's, actions. daughter's actions. So finally we said, will you accept this quilt? And, of course, she just started crying, <laughs> like we all did. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah. But it was just a, it was a, a very interesting and um, important way to be in the whole ministry. Um, oh yeah, that that we could um, show to her that number one, we didn't blame her, and that there was forgiveness toward her daughter, and that we hoped that um, this would provide her with some hope and comfort because. Two children in prison. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Right. No no chance, probably, of her ever, ever having any grandchildren. You know, the, the woman that their son killed was pregnant with his child, so that child died with the mother. Um, you know, her daughter would be in prison until probably, for all pr- practical pur- purposes, past her childbearing years. And so um, what, what kind of legacy has she left with? Right. So we hoped that... Again, we're using the word hope. Right. <laughs> that it would be a way for her to feel like, you know, there were some people who didn't judge her. And maybe we were the most important people who didn't judge her. Whatever anybody else thought, you know, she could kind of set aside, hopefully, and uh, go on with her life. What a huge gift. For, I mean, beyond the quilt, 
I mean, quilts are always great. Quilt, you know, right. a lot goes into a quilt, but um, what a gift to give this woman. She sure. just, she clutched it too. I mean, she was just like, right. She yeah, was, yeah. She she just, really, we took a picture of her yeah. holding it up to her and well, stuff like that. I mean, so. just beyond the quilt, though. I mean, just to have that weight lifted off of her, knowing that your family wasn't full of anger toward her, right. and right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that helped her a little bit. We yeah. hope so. Yeah. Right. So you started. I mean, started in a pretty big way. Yeah. I mean, that was a pretty huge way to start this off here. <laughs> yeah, and, but then, and, but then it just sort of it's gone on since then. I mean, you know. I think on average we give one or two quilts a month. Not that we're not making more than that, but right, you know, right. It started out with a, a couple of babies who were born prematurely, and those have those the people that we've given those first after that those first couple of quilts we still have relationships with, and their story still continues, and we still try to be a part of that. Right. And we haven't. I can't say that we've done that with every quilt that we've given, obviously, because a lot of them are out of state or, you know, they, right. they've been a recommendation by somebody else. But How do you make your selections of who gets a quilt? Basically anybody who asks us will give one to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. We're but still that sort of right. new and sort of like in awe of the whole thing, I think, still. That, honestly, if someone's going to have the nerve to ask a stranger for something for somebody else, I'm going to give it to them, right. basically. It's not like we have any, any criteria. Right. It's like we'll read a story, we'll hear about some people, we'll ask. We've asked, like for the February quilt giveaway. So the month of February this past year, we had, I had another great idea. We had about <laughs> 28 or 30, 30 quilts, but they were sort of sitting at my mom's house, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. Like they're just sitting right. there. They were, you know, like we're right. waiting for people, but people weren't coming. So we thought, okay, every day of February, we're going to give away one quilt. You know, and so we've sort of put out the word and we ask people for recommendations like through my blog and through, you know, our, all of our contacts and our family and everybody on my email list. I mean, everybody. And so it's sort of, what's that word? Can't spiral. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, I mean, it just amazingly, the right people that fit the kind of quilts we had, right? We had babies, we had ladies, we had some men, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just amazing stories came out of this February quilt a day project that we had and we survived. I mean, it, it was a lot of work for my mom cause I was living obviously somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> this time in Canada. <laughs> and so she was doing a lot of the, the groundwork and the grunt work of yeah, sending right. them out and making sure they had the right one and making sure the labels were on, and blah, blah, you know, just the, right, blah, right. You know, blah, blah. So anyway, but out of that month, we, you know, we got, you know, blind calls. Like, so, so in March I started getting blind calls from people who said, you gave a quilt to my friend and my mother weep, weep, weep. She just started, people just started crying on my phone. You know, like here I am tending to my three children and somebody calls me out of the blue and says, my mother's dying of pancreatic cancer. And you can't say, uh, let me call you back. Yeah. You you know, and so I say, will you give me a minute? just going to find a quiet place in my house and listen to your story. And then I say, sure, send me your mailing address for this person. And, you know, so that, that happened, that, that happened for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, we just, people just, am I forgetting something? No, we, we, you know, we've tried to tell people, if you hear of someone, um, think of us. If you hear, not that we're looking for sad stories all the time, right? but Holland Home here has an internal website. And so I'll look at the internal website. So I read that someone who works in the corporate office has a sister who is a piano teacher in Texas, and she has a student who just was diagnosed with a brain tumor. 
I think I need to send that girl a quilt. Yeah. So I call the girl in the, in the corporate office. Can you give me your sister's name, or can I send the quilt directly to them, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's like, it's, it, we're, we feel like we're led to give some quilts away. Right. Well, in like the month of February, not that I want to go on and on about that, but just neat things happened that month. <laughs> as far as like, we were sending this quilt to this person in, in Kentucky. And, and the, the, it was a tragic story. The dad had come down for breakfast with his young daughter, like they did every day, and he died of a massive heart attack right there at the kitchen table. Oh my in goodness. front of his like eight-year-old daughter. So we thought we, were, we thought we had the address of that family. So we sent them sort of a family quilt for the mom and the two daughters. But afterwards, we get a thank you note, and it turns out we had the address of his parents. So we actually sent the, the quilt to his parents, and his mom said, how did you know my favorite colors were yellow and blue? Oh, wow. How did you know that we are struggling so deeply with the death of the son? You know, and did it, I mean, we thought we were sending it to the, to the mom and the two daughters. We were, so it's kind of like a goof that turned out to be... Well, and that's how right. we feel like each one of our quilts, you know, is it's out of our hands, right? We're, we're you know, God is leading us to, to, to these people, and we don't even know who they are. And we right. think we know who it is. But and they we get sort to of, where they're supposed to go. Yeah, exactly. Like, it has a place, and, you know, it's... it's, it's inexplicable to, to some of the world, but we feel like, you know, we know that God is leading us to... Peace. Well, because that could have ended up in any place. You know, if you yeah, had the wrong exactly. address, to have it go to the... Well, and there's one other story. We sent a quilt to this woman. I had a contest on my blog where I would send a quilt to... If you were the first person to comment or something like that, I would send it... First person to send me the address of someone who needed help, okay. I would send the quilt to. So this woman sends her address for this lady... And her husband, her husband has Alzheimer's, or was it the beginning sense of Alzheimer's? Beginning. Right. And he's young. It's early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah, early onset Alzheimer's. So she said, I think they really need some hope. And she's a quilter, but, you know, she's totally overwhelmed with the care of her husband. And so so we sent one, a man's quilt, a man's quilt, which are hard to make. If you oh, know, yeah. the fabric world, oh, it's hard yeah. to find. Oh, like yeah. you, it's so hard, it's hard to, to find. A, it's hard to make a scrap quilt for a man. Right, because most of our fabric is not. It has little flowers. Exactly. <laughs> like, Even if it's blue. Our hearts or anything. Exactly. I mean, you know. And then the guys are like, well, thanks. <laughs> so we sent him a man's quilt. Um, so we get a note afterwards with a picture, an email note from the woman. And she said, thank you so much for the quilt. I can't believe it. It was his birthday. It arrived on his birthday. And he smiled and reacted to it for the first time that he's ever done in, like, two or three weeks. Oh, wow. Like, he had been sort of in a, whatever that, you know, a catatonic, catatonic yeah. state, sort of. Like, he would just sit in his chair, right? And here he gets this gift of this quilt, totally out of the blue. And she, so she took a picture of him in his chair. He was smiling with his quilt. And according to her, he hadn't done this, you know, forever. And it arrived on his birthday. Wow. Which, you know, things like this, that was just an awesome month for us. So... Since then, you know, we've just been giving a couple away a month, and, you know, when we hear of different people or they ask for one, and I've done several things through different blogs and things that I've, So Mama So had, a, like, a blog giveaway oh, cool. in May, I believe it was, and uh, if you put your link up there and gave away something on your blog, then, you know, you would have this new audience and that kind of thing. So I did that. We gave away the chance to give a quilt to somebody. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and tell me what audience. you're doing So, about the Grand Rapids project. So um, this past summer, uh, I was at a Pooh's Corner, and they were 
I started a conversation with the, the owner there, and she told me about the Grand Rapids Public Schools Homeless Program. And, um, you know, she recommended that we talk to somebody there because they might be able to use some quilts. So I called, and we set up a meeting with uh, Natasha Anderson, who is the, the director of the homeless program now. So we met with her and, and at the public school building, and she showed us the, the sort of room that they have there where they hold supplies for the homeless kids. Mm-hmm. And according to her, last year they, they served over 1,100 kids during, throughout the school year oh, wow. that were homeless for different circumstances, fire, you know, um, right. you know. And not not the necessarily yeah. the economy, right? could just, be other just reasons. Just right. Things right. happen. And, right, yeah. 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 And right. So we said, well, we started by giving her three quilts, which seemed like a drop in the bucket, like, oh, here you go, this is going to help. But <laughs> with the promise that we would try to make you more. Because she she had mentioned that around the Christmas time they have maybe some Christmas parties like at the shelters and stuff that they work with. Oh yeah. And so she had said, well, I would like to give each child a book and you know some clothes or you know other stuff that she had in her in her room. So I went home and started thinking about that and <laughs> got another idea where I thought, well, let's try to make quilts for each of the kids. That would be in that program around that time. Mm-hmm. So she said 1,100. You know, I'm thinking at one time maybe there's two or 300. So that's sort of where the number came from. So we committed to her that we would try our hardest to make, you know, around between two and 300, possibly 400. She gave me the number 500 at one point. But I don't know. That just seems impossible to me. But, but I think it's impossible. But anyway, so that each child at that time would get a quilt and a book and something else. And so that's sort of where it started. And so I started thinking, okay, well, we obviously cannot do this ourselves. Up to this point, my mom and I have been doing a lot of the quilting. How much of the quilting would you say? I mean, are you, have you made almost all the quilts? Yes. Yeah. We've probably <laughs> made, we've given away 102 Two. quilts, you know, just from Margaret's Hope Chest. Right. And we have probably made... 90% of those, <laughs> at least. Probably. Yeah, 90%. When that first, um, the first quilting meeting that you had at the Y, and then the second one where I came to that craft club, mm-hmm. and there was another quilter there, she, when we met in the parking lot, she said, oh, I have five quilts I would like to give you. I said, oh, great. <laughs> what do you say? How can you say thank you to a woman who, want, who we've only met for the second time and she has five completed beautiful quilts that she wants to give you? I and we've never, ever to... gotten five quilts before. Right. right. And all I, I didn't know how to say thank you enough. And so she said, well, when we come back out, I'll give them to you. Oh, okay, great. I go. <laughs> it's like amazing. You right, know? right. Number, that, that, that somebody would, and I said, you know, like I said, I couldn't say thank you enough. And she said, well, I just want them to go to a good home. And I said, well, we'll for sure be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. But again, you, you know, it, other than that person giving us five completed quilts. Now, I've had a couple of my aunts have pieced together a top, but basically then we end up finishing them. Right. And then there's a lot of work to be done. There's a the lot of work to be done. done. Yeah. So, yeah, 90% is probably a good guesstimate of what So I thought of our done. our ability to make that many quilts is just about impossible. Right. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to start thinking about who I can get to help. Right. So I had been following this, this site called Craft Hope. It was, it's fairly new. They're about in their fourth or fifth month. I believe will be their fifth project. But 
Basically, it's a woman named Jade who lives in Austin, Texas, and she started this, this organization called Craft Hope. And basically what they're doing is each month there is a different crafting project. So sometimes it's knitting. Last month it was sock bunkies. Um, the first month it was dresses, little shift dresses or, you know, cute little dresses. And they send them to a different cause each month. So sometimes it's an orphanage in Nicaragua. Once it was... Um, some, uh, I think it was an orphanage in India, and the sock monkeys were going to a preschool burn camp that was in California. And I had asked her back in April if she would consider us being a project. And she sort of sent me the email like, well, thank you for your interest. I'll keep your email. But I didn't present her with anything specific. So right. this time I thought, okay, I'm going to try again. I'm not a persistent person, but I can be. So I wrote her again and I said, I just agreed to this like impossible project. So, you know, would you reconsider? And she wrote me back right away and she said, you know, you picked me at you found me at a great time because <laughs> I'm gonna agree to it. It'll be our October project. Last month, the September project, the sock monkeys, they collected two hundred and seven sock monkeys. Wow. Which for sock monkeys I think it's that's a great number because right. it's sort of a you know, you have to sort of know what you're doing. You have to sort of have done maybe before, you know? Right, right. But like in they had collected four hundred and seven things, items for other months, two thousand items for another month. So I thought, okay, this is gonna be hopefully a good partnership between them and us. And so we're totally excited. This is huge. <laughs> this is right like our we left for Greece. She called me up, she was just like so giddy on the phone, like she agreed. <laughs> and so how many what is your target number now? So Well, uh, our target number is 300 at this How point. many kids will there be? At- we don't know. We don't know. It's very unclear because okay. right. it, it totally depends. I mean, if I were to look at it from a mathematical standpoint, 1,100 over the year, at one point, I would say about 300 kids. Okay. But because of the economy and, and the be- climate, I'm thinking it might be higher. So three or 400 is the, the number. Okay. Which is the idea is that huge. when those kids are, it's Christmas and they're in the shelter, they're going to get all those kids would get a, a book and a quilt. Right. That's Natasha's <clears throat> plan at this Does point. Does she have someone donating the books? She already has books. She already has the books. Okay, yeah. so she sat there. She just needs the quilts, which is the hard part. So what kind of quilts are you looking for? We named this project Hope Squared. Okay. Just because I was kind of cute because it has a little, you know, mathematical squared symbol over the hope. But we're asking for the simplest thing, a quilt made out of only squares. Which okay. everybody can make, can sew a quarter inch, mm-hmm. can make a quilt out of squares. Okay, so do you care what size square? It just has to be square. It just has to be squares. Square. Okay. I've made quilts now with six inch squares, and I've made them with four inch squares, and I've made them with two inch squares, um, you know, just because that's what I've been cutting for the last so people could months. make them. People could make them with... With eight-inch squares, but you know, x them out here, and because that would be that would cut down. Now, if people want to get fancy, there are quilters out there with time, and sure. they like they, they might not like. Oh, I don't want to just do the squares. You know, if people want to do something else, can they do as long I, as they're squares? Yes, okay. I recommend uh, Moda Bake Shop that website. Okay, because Moda Bake Shop they they sell the charm packs, or they they. They give you lots of patterns for, for just, charm packs and other things like that, right? Okay. Which are squares to begin with. Right, right. So if if you go to Moda Bake Shop and look, just look at their different patterns that they put up like twice a week or three times a week by different designers around. You'll have tons of 
neat patterns. Okay, that's for the quilter who has a little more time in her hand or wants right. to do a creative quilt, right? Right. But for just the basic, like I hardly know how to quilt. I can sew a quarter inch type thing. Yeah. You know, six inch squares is a great place to start. You know, you just have eight across the top. Kind of Nine down the bottom. You right. know, it's it's pretty yeah. fast. If you want to put a border on it to finish it off or whatever, we're even putting on the we're even putting on the site that if you don't have time to finish it as a quilt, if you can make the the quilt top and send that to us. If you don't know how to you know to put it, it together to finish oh, it, okay, so people can send, send us the quilt top. Well, and on on past as I read the craft hope, you know, some of the concerns that some of the women have said are. I don't have a lot of money right now. I don't have the money to buy all the supplies. Can you give me a pattern that I can use things that I already have? Well, I think scrap quilts are a great place to use stuff that you already have, but maybe they don't have the money for the batting and the backing. That's why I'm saying send us the top. We'll finish it. You know, like we have batting. We have backing. Right. You know, we can finish those. But, uh, you know, we don't have time to make... 400 tops. Right, right. You know, that kind of thing. Now, what are you telling people if they want to use, like, recycled fabric? Is that something you're open to, or? Anything. Okay. We will take a quilt with. Just as long as, I mean, obviously it's good fabric. It's clean. Wash it off. it's clean. It's going to children, and it, you know, it's it's to be a special gift for them. So, don't give something that you wouldn't give your own neighbor. Or your own child. But, like, I'm thinking, like, for boys, um, a good source of material, like, if you have a flannel shirt, it might have a man wore it and there's a tear in the pocket. But but you can use the flannel shirt. The West Michigan Quilters Guild. We went to the meeting last night, and the presenter talked about how she first got started in this whole quilting line that she does when her husband would leave the house she would take one of his shirts and cut it up and use it because <laughs> she didn't have any money to buy fabric those are great sources in your own closet well i just like. made a huge quilt uh, like a twin size quilt that i just sent to the quilters and the white it's it's bright bright squares a nine patch and there's bright squares but then there's the white the white that you use for the contrast and the white is a sheet that mm-hmm. got a stain or a rip on it but the rest of it was fine, right. so I totally cut it up, and it was a—it's a flat sheet from it's probably ten years old. But it's a great, you know, and the quilt is fantastic, <laughs> and it, you know, so anyway. But so you're just telling people that any fabric they can, you know, that looks. So we're nice. saying, keep in mind that these quilts will be going to boys and girls ages five to seventeen. Okay, so some big quilts, some smaller quilts. Right. right. So you know, if I would say a quilt, you <clears throat> should keep in mind when they're starting who they want to make it for. Do they want to make it for an eight-year-old girl? Okay, well, find fabric that would be appealing to an eight-year-old girl and make it the size of approximately an eight-year-old girl. It does not have to be a bed-sized quilt. These are just quilts that would cover them. Margaret's Hope Chest, we only do, like, lap-sized quilts, usually. So standard size, if people are looking for measurements, like, what would you say would be an average target to shoot for? So about 45 inches wide, because okay. we try to use 44, well, about 44, 45 yeah. inches, because we try to use regular fabric, the 44-inch to back it. Okay. Right. We'd rather not piece the back <clears throat> if we don't have to. So 40, 45 by 60 or something mm-hmm. like that is about a, appropriate a standard for a size. child. So yeah. 44, 44 by, by 60. By 60. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 43 by 60 or something right. like that. Something that, you know, make it easy on the person who's making it. Okay. And make the most of our fabric. Right. And so are you guys still in need of fabric? Are you still, are you overwhelmed with fabric at this point? Any fabric is always welcome, really. Okay. Yeah. You know, because we, we take what we have and then we get new stuff and you go, oh, that'll can, go with that exactly. and that and that. So we're always excited. <laughs> we are. We're always excited. Well, my sister um, was teaching preschool and now she teaches kindergarten. 
and um, for her birthday is in the summer, so her kids always want her children in the class, and the room mothers always want to do a birthday thing for her in the spring before school finishes. Right. So she's asked for them to give her things for Margaret's Hope Chest. So one year we got scissors and thread and some fabric. Oh, and wow. A whole that's bunch great. of things. This year we got all fabric, all new fabric. And that's so fun to work with. Oh, well, wow. it was great. I mean, oh, this is so cute. Oh, my goodness. Look at that one. Oh, right. So we fight over it because I come for, <laughs> you, uh, for the weekend and, and go down there. I say, what did you think? <laughs> and she'll call me and say, where's that Snoopy fabric that I had? I have it. Is that okay? I suppose. Yeah. Because <laughs> she can't do much about it now. No. You know? I can't really when I come drive and get it. Yeah. <laughs> but the one she made turned out really cute, so I guess cute. it's all right. So as you're, you're still the hub, though. Like, that's where the right. quilts come and leave right. from. It's my, it's my address. Okay. And um, I use my address for Margaret's Hope Chest when I'm sending out a quilt. So it says Margaret's Hope Chest, 630 Griswold, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. So, it's so that if there's ever any question about where it has to come back to, if people do send us thank you notes... It always comes back to Margaret's Hope Chest at my address, too. Okay. So, she's um, sort of, yeah. Yeah, so I say. That's why she's co-director. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and it's, a, you guys, it's just you guys. I mean, the two of you. It's just yeah. us. Just us. Yeah. But that's great. But, you guys but this huge network of people who read the blog. Right. Who, yeah. who want to, you know, some people just don't have the time to do it or the skill. But by giving, you know, giving um, a kid or two to my mother's sister, my aunt. Mm-hmm. giving another kid or two to my father's sister, another aunt, mm-hmm. um, having a couple ladies that live in this community. One of them goes to my church, too. And when we were inundated, I'd say, can you can you just sew the binding on for me? Oh, sure. You know, the Olympics were on, so she sews two bindings on. You know, she's, the other lady lives by herself over here. Oh, sure. You know, I'll get it to you by Sunday. And so just trying to have other people help because they feel like they're needed. Right. You know, and so we like to help. Well, it's less overwhelming for you and also for them because they know they're just doing one piece of Exactly. It. Like, they're yeah. not doing a whole quilt, it's just right. binding, you know. Right. But it's helpful because that takes a long time right. to it does. do the whole yeah, thing. It's my favorite part, but I, favorite I do it too. <laughs> we fight we do. over bindings. Yeah, I love, well, I, I think it's so wonderful when you get to that last part and you're doing the hand stitching. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like to me that... That is my favorite part. Right. Um, of course, I look at every binding. Like, I have to do an, I'm finishing a quilt for my newborn niece, and I'm looking at this quilt, and I'm like, okay, how do I do this last, very last part again? So it's like I'm always going back the directions. Like, That's fine. You know, but it's hilarious, because yeah. I'm like, when will I commit this to memory? But um, but the hand-stitching part is yeah. my favorite. And people right. are like, really? Of all the stuff, that's your favorite? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. It means I'm almost done. And it's like this quiet, really relaxing. Yeah, exactly. You it don't is. have the sound of the machine. It's just no. really quiet. and. Right. I love it. Yeah. So, do you care how they're quilted? No. No. So, they can be, they can tied, be tied, they can be... Right. You know. They could be not even quilted at all. I mean, it could just be the three layers. Okay. Right. Now, some people, do you want bindings on all of them? Because some people do the thing no, where they no. turn them inside out. No. Nope. Okay. We turn them inside We've done out. both. We've done Depending both. on how much time we have. Right. Okay. Or how it looks. You know, if we're getting to... We're cl- you know, it might not even have a border because we've already made it big enough. So, maybe we won't put a border on, but we will bind it. Or we'll put a border on and we'll turn it inside out and just turn the outside. And what you can do is top stitch around the edge, too. Yeah. So it sounds like this, by giving back to the community, a community that at the beginning took something from you, Mm -hmm. you know, took this woman that you loved out of your life, and but yet you responded in such a a powerful and beautiful way. What has that brought you as far as the healing process goes? I sometimes worry (laughs) that I'm getting more out of it than they are. 
But it's not true, because we get these wonderful thank you notes. But it's a way for me to feel like her life was worthwhile, and her death was worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, I, like I said, I worry, I worry that uh, I'm getting more out of it than the people are, and, I, and people constantly reassure me that that's not true. Well, and don't worry, because I know. Um, you, you deserve to get something good out of this. I mean, it was it started with um, it's such an awful thing, and to, this, I think it's so admirable to see that you turn this into to such a beautiful legacy and tribute to to this woman that you loved, and to have all these families and people unsuspecting people out there have their lives right. touched by Margaret's Hope Chest is a huge thing, and so I hope that Grand Rapids responds. Because I didn't realize, and I think a lot of us, you go about your life and you're trying to manage your own economics and your own house, you know, and how the economy affects your family. And it's so easy to get caught up and not realize that there could be hundreds of, of homeless kids in the Grand Rapids school system. Exactly. Like, I mean, you think, okay, it's, it's, it's definitely a district that's you know, needs money and there are a lot of people that don't have a lot. Right. But I didn't think there were hundreds of homeless children. Like, I never really thought about it. You know, so I thought, wow, shame on me for not even thinking, stopping to think about that. And right. I think this is a great opportunity for those of us who have these keeping mounts of fabric. I mean, even quilters that, even people that don't quilt, I know people buy fabric and they don't sew. Right. I mean, it's like people have fabric and you also have the old blouse that you love the fabric, but you're not going to wear the blouse ever right. again. I mean, there's, it's just such a great way for people to be able to, you know, repurpose. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I like the, the idea of in your mind, creating a child. Ooh. Right, right. Could, it, it, right. She could live in your community if you live outside of Grand Arms, or she could live in Grand Arms. Creating a child in your mind and creating a special gift for that child, mm -hmm. whether it be you know, uh, you know, like a sixteen-year-old boy. That's a challenge. It's a challenge to find a, to make a quilt that a sixteen-year-old boy would right. enjoy. Right. Exactly. But think about think about that child and think about how they probably won't be getting a gift this Christmas. You know, and think about where they live. I don't, I don't even know what a homeless shelter looks like inside, you know? I don't know if they sleep in bedrooms. I don't know if they, you know, think about that life and right. just, and create something for, for just one child. And if everybody creates something for one child in their mind, then together we'll have this great gift to give these kids. Right? Yeah, and I hope that it'd be great to surpass the goal that you have. It I mean, would be great. Because it's not going to be, I mean, it might make a, be a temporary problem for you to have like hundreds of quilts in your house, but something, <laughs> tells, me, live with. something tells me you'll find right. a way to live with that. We might have to kick my dad out of the house. But, yeah. <laughs> well, her, her townhouse is, is available too, so we'll just, we'll we got just lots start of room. And we have lots of friends who have our empty nesters, so you know, so we'll just, just start fill up the homes of everyone you know. That'd be a great, that'd a great, be, yeah. It might put down on heating costs, you know, insulation, <laughs> like all these quilts piled up or by the window. You never know how this. This is all going to work out. So are you guys going to actually be delivering these? Well, some people have asked me that because I, there's a friend of mine who has, who has started. She's not even a really, I mean, she's not a, I don't want to say really good, but she would say that. <laughs> she's, she's a beginning quilter. She's a beginning yeah. okay. quilter, but she has a tremendous heart. She's my best friend. And she has started two, two quilt groups just to make quilts for this. Oh, wow. And you guys are going to make this yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah. So, and she says, I'd really like them to be able to see them go to people, you know? Do right. you think that there's going to be a way that, you know? And I said, you know, I'm going to try to make that happen. I'm going to try to get somehow involved in at least one of the 
at least one of the yeah. giveaways. Well, it sounds like they might need help with distribution anyway. Right. They're going right. to do We just don't thing. know how, how private, you know, I mean, kind of the... Because, you know, they're talking about sometimes they don't know that these kids are homeless and the teacher kind of picks up on it and then we'll call them and stuff like that because people don't want people to know that oh, they're homeless. Oh, so it's kind of a discreet thing. So do they exactly. Give, so they, they give the child the quilt at the shelter? Maybe. Or maybe yeah. a teacher handing the kid something in the hallway or, you yeah, know. Don't we know don't know. That. I mean, you can get, I mean, if you weren't doing something about it, it's a really depressing thing to think about. Well, of course. You know, yeah. because you're like, you don't want to think about a second grader that's homeless, you know. Exactly. But when you're making quilts for the second grader who's homeless, it makes you feel a whole lot better about it. Um, sure. Even though that doesn't, the quilt doesn't solve the problem. Right. But it gives that kid a sense of security and comfort. I just Wherever picture little are. kids huddled under quilts. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just kind well, of, I think right. growing up, we all had a favorite quilt or blanket or something. It's, it's a sense yeah. of security, and, right. and they feel, don't. And that's the thing that I, you know, thought about too. Is like, I think about my own kids and their security. Like we do, my husband and I do everything to keep them secure, right? Right. We, we put them to bed at the same time. We feed them the same. You know, their routine is the routine is what keeps them happy. Right. In my mind. Right. right. Take all of that away. Right? right. If you don't know where you're no going to routine. sleep, you don't right. know what you're going right. to eat, yeah. you don't have anything to wear to school. Yeah. There's no security. Exactly. And what does that do to a child's, you know, Well, yeah. not only stressing them out and making them kind of afraid about what happens the next day, but also I think educationally, I mean, if you're trying to get an education and you're so stressed out because right. you don't have anything. Where am I going to sleep tonight? I mean, how do you focus on your math test? Right. Because right. you, know, you have some bigger issues going on in your life. So sure. I think this is part of a solution to help these kids just... Right. have some kind of comfort. So congratulations to you guys for taking this on. I think Thanks. it's fantastic. Thank you. I'm going to do what I can to help you, and I Thank hope the you. folks at home join us. And I do hope that those of you who quilt will join this effort here to get some quilts made for these kids. Even if you see something closer to home where you think somebody might need a little pick-me-up, crafting of any kind, uh, if you don't like quilting or you don't sew or you know you, you do something else, maybe you crochet or knit, there's more than one way to be inspired by this particular episode of the podcast. So don't feel pressure to jump full blast into quilting. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be real happy to hear that you did that. However, I do a lot of other craft things too, and I just think that sometimes if you don't have tons of money or you you don't feel like you feel like you don't have lots of extra time to go volunteer at the soup kitchen or do something, but you have maybe some handmade things you have that you've made or you have something extra that you can give somebody and do kind of a random act of kindness and brighten their day. I think we all can draw inspiration from what Carol and Karen are doing. Whether you guys decide to get involved with their charity and help them, you can certainly take from this and be inspired in the way that seems more fitting with your life. And just think about ways that you can help put a little bit of hope out in the world for someone who might be having a situation that they're going through that where they're fighting. They're fighting to hold on to some hope that things are going to get better. And thanks to Carol and Karen for the inspiration. I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of this episode of Craft Sanity because without the sponsors, it would be much harder to produce this show. I'd like to thank Mary McDonough at the Women's Industrial Exchange in Baltimore City. That's the nonprofit that I mentioned earlier that helps local people create, market, and sell their handmade items. And I actually had called Mary because I wanted to find out a little more about this organization because I read in a little blurb that it's been there since uh, they're on 333 North Charles Street in the Mount Vernon section of Baltimore since 1889. I thought, hmm, is that right? Really? Since 1889? 
And she assured me that that is, in fact, correct. It actually was started to help Civil War widows. What would happen is these women would bring in their handmade goods and they would have a place to sell things. It was kind of a controversial place, too, because women were working in this exchange So it was really run by women, and at that time, it was not really socially acceptable for women to be working outside their home like this. So it was a rather brazen locale where handmade goods were being sold by women, made by women. What a wonderful concept, and they're still going strong. You can find out more at thewomensindustrialexchange.org, or you can call 410-685-4388. In particular, they're looking for Baltimore-area crafters who want to get their goods out there in this shop. So if you have something you like to bring to market that's handmade, by all means, contact Mary. Also, if you're buzzing through town, you know, on a vacation or trip, go check it out. I know it's going to be on my list of things to visit when I hopefully get to Baltimore. In the travel phase of my life, right now I'm kind of in that homebody phase of my life, but I've perfected the staycation, but hoping to, uh, to broaden my horizons a little bit. So anyway, thank you, Mary, for your support. I really appreciate it. I uh, also want to thank Mary Ann Loverm over at Wabi Sabi Brooklyn, and she is the proprietor who makes lovely decoupage penny earrings and more. You can learn more by visiting wabisabibrooklyn.etsy.com. Mary's current collection combines vintage jewelry, recycled paper, coins, and other ephemera in unexpected ways to create true statement pieces. So check it out over at wabisabibrooklyn.etsy.com. Thanks, Mary Ann. I really appreciate your support. If you would like to be a sponsor of an upcoming episode of Craft Sanity, you can click on the sponsors link at craftsanity.com or feel free to send me a note. It's a great opportunity to get the word out, especially as we're approaching Christmas. So if you have a business that you like to advertise, I'd love to help you get the word out. And I will have links and information about Margaret's Hope Chest so you can click over there. I just featured Karen and Carol. They were the subject of my last art and craft column that I write still on a weekly basis for the Grand Rapids Press. I'll have a link to that, also to the website and Karen's blog as well, so you can check that out. And I know Craft Hope was mentioned. The woman who organizes Craft Hope has, according to Karen, she has recently had a baby. So she was, um, obviously, she's been a little busy and has not published the information about the quilt drive that's going on here in Grand Rapids. So in case you're kind of wondering, hmm, what's going on? You can read, I think Karen has something about that on her blog, so you can check that out. But this quilt drive is still a go, and it's just going to take a little bit for everybody to catch up. I will have a brief after show, but I'm going to keep that short because I want to get on to working on the next episode because I am really needing to catch up. I have two about sewing and pattern making that I'm really excited about. So anyway, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate the fact that you guys want to spend some time listening to the stories that I dig up. If you have a story idea for me or there's someone you think you know I'd like to feature on this program, please just send an email to jennifer at craftsanity.com and I will add the information to my long list of fantastic suggestions that have been given to me. You guys take care and I'm going to move on to that next podcast in the meantime craft sanity my friends it works for me okay folks i am finally back in the saddle and trying to i feel like i have full strength 
Although I have to say my endurance is nowhere where it needs to be. I um, went running and I've been training with Abby because Abby's running a kids marathon and that's coming up uh, the day before the Grand Rapids marathon, which I will not be running uh, for the second year in a row. And I'm hoping next year to get back out there. I ran it in 2007 and I ran it injured and it wasn't the best experience. Um, the event is fantastic. It was, I mean, I think it's probably, I've heard it's one of the best marathons because they just kind of think of everything. It's run by marathon runners. So my performance was not a reflection at all on the marathon itself. It was just the fact that I was injured and I probably shouldn't have ran. But um, being the stubborn person that I am, <laughs> I ran anyway. So anyway, I'm hoping to kind of gear up and have an eye on that for 2010. So we'll see what happens if any of you are marathon runners and travel for marathons, which I don't do, I just run, I wake up in my own bed and go to the one 20 minutes from my house. But if those of you who travel, you might want to put that on your possible marathon schedule. Um, it's uh, always in October and it's pretty nice. But anyway, I've been training with Abby. She's um, The kids have to run 25 miles for in, the, in the few months leading up to the marathon and then they run the last 1.2 miles miles on the race course so it's pretty exciting for little kids they get to run and abby actually asked to do this when she was three the year i was running the marathon we went to pick up my packet with my race number and everything and we happened to be there at the time that they were running this kids marathon and abby wanted in and i told her that she was too small and um we would do that in the future and i told her wait till you you're in school so she asked you know she asked last year again. I said, well, you're four. I think you really should be a little bit older. So she's five and in kindergarten, and she was still interested. So she's going to do that. Let's see. On the loom front, I am, oh, goodness, I'm learning. I've le- got a lot to learn about international shipping. Went to the post office and had this big box weighed to find out how much something was going to cost to mail it. And then... Um, Found out that it was going to be, it was told it was going to be $15. And I'm like, really? This is a huge box. And I'm like, yeah, you know. I'm like, okay. You know, and I don't really know any better. So I went home and told the customer, oh, it's $15. Only to find out that in reality it was $40, which is a huge difference. And for us Americans who are not, you know, who freak out every time the postage goes up a penny on our stamps here. You know, this was kind of a big, huge, significant thing. So, so yeah, I'm learning. I'm starting to get to a point where I'm going to actually buckle down and work on a book proposal. And I know it's probably really ridiculous for me to even be sharing that. I mean, I think it's no surprise to any of you that I want to write a book. I've talked about it endlessly on this podcast. My biggest challenge is figuring out what do I want to write my book about because I have a lot of ideas, a lot of different directions I can go. And I think that it's just important to me that it be something that's my true voice and something that is going to be meaningful for me writing it and meaningful for the reader, then have to decide, do I try to self-publish this? You know, it's kind of like gluing in pegs. I can just see myself, like I am going to bind each book myself. Um, <laughs> I mean, it'd be insane. I, I probably won't go that route. But um, but yeah, it's all these, these crazy questions that come up with all these things. But there have been some very successful self-published people out there doing electronic books and some other things. So yeah, well, I'll continue to wrestle with this and hopefully make some progress. But I've uh, been d- doing a lot of spray painting, and I found this old cabinet at Goodwill over the summer. My friend Bev was visiting from Australia when I stumbled upon this thing. And even though it barely fit in the car, we had the two children, myself and Bev, in the car with this cabinet, like between all the, the four of us, two on each side of this thing. And we somehow made it back to my house. I don't even know how. 
with my $4 purchase and it sat in the garage for months. And then I finally spray painted it with like this aqua, like ba like light blue, I think it's called ocean blue, but it looks more of a turquoise. Spray painted the thing and it looks pretty awesome. Like it, I can believe it. I was like, man, I'd pay a lot more than $4 for that thing now. So anyway, I, that has been a slippery slope that has led to getting a desk, another desk, metal desk at Goodwill for $2. And I spray painted that one pink. And I don't know what it is about these spray paint projects because the hardest part of these projects is getting the item, the $2 or $4 item from Goodwill to my house. And then I go to town, you know, spray painting. And um, the garage, unfortunately, has kind of a thin layer of ocean blue and a pink little mist. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, I, I kind of wasn't as experienced with spray paint and didn't realize that it was traveling all over the place. I'm just glad I had the wherewithal to not try to do this project with one of the cars parked in the garage because that would have been a real disaster. Yeah, I could see neighbors then mistaking my craft project gone bad for a graffiti job on the side of my car. I'd be like, no, actually, that's just me painting my desk. Thankfully, it didn't come to that. Instead of rambling on for longer and longer, I'm going to get back to work because I have plenty to do. And in the meantime, if you need to contact me for any reason... Feel free to send me a note, jennifer at craftsanity.com. You guys take care, and I'll be back soon. See you then.